Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, I want to welcome everyone uh, who's joining us today, wherever you're at. Thank you so much for spending part of your day here with us. And I just want to say again, hey, congratulations to all of those who took the step uh, to be baptized. We are so proud of you and excited for you as you just uh, made that decision uh, to follow Jesus and you went public uh, with it. Uh, Well, today uh, we are wrapping up this series that we've been in called Head Games. And if you're new with us, if you're checking uh, checking us out for the first time, I want to encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel or our podcast and catch up with parts one and two as uh, we're going to be wrapping this all up uh, together. But the big idea of this whole series is is a people principle. And and that people principle is that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That the life that you are living is the result of the thoughts that you are thinking. And so what we're doing is we're looking at how to change our lives by changing our mind. And, and this whole series has been uh, given to us uh, by this key passage uh, that was actually written by one of the first church leaders, a guy named Paul. And what Paul wrote was that for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And this is the whole idea of head games, that life's greatest battles are won or lost in the mind. And he continues, he says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And this is what we talked about in week one, where there are these lies that we tend to believe as true and are causing us to lose our head games. And then Paul moves on. He says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's how we win these head games. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so what we've done throughout this series is we've looked at practical ways that we can actually take our thoughts captive, make them obedient to Jesus so that we could change our mind and change our lives. Now today, we're actually going to look at one more way uh, that we can win uh, these head games. And this way is so incredible. It is actually not only backed up by scripture, but it's also backed up by science. And so to set this up, I, I, I just want us to ask ourselves a question. And the question I want you to ask yourself is what was your last runaway thought? And and here's what I mean by a runaway thought. A runaway thought is a thought where we have uh, and we think about all the things that could be as a result of that thought. And so for for, for me, uh, my last big runaway thought happened uh, with my daughter, Jalen, when we found out that she was going to be spending the rest of the school year doing distance learning. And so my my daughter, Jalen, she's eight years old. She's in second grade. And uh, up until uh, a few months ago, she loved school and she had a lot of great friends, great teachers, uh, loved uh, doing her assignments and did actually pretty well with that. Uh, But then uh, the distance learning came out and uh, we realized, okay, we're going to be doing distance learning for the rest of the school year. And uh, my wife and I, I mean, we're we're both working because we're both uh, deemed essential. And so we were very thankful for that. But we realized, oh, we're going to be responsible for making sure that she gets all of the schoolwork done. And and since Jalen's in second grade and she's only only eight years old, 
uh, the whole idea of checking email and submitting things online and, and doing things with keyboards and, and, and computer mice. I mean, it, it was just a brand new concept for her. And so we get to start doing this and when her, her day routine, uh, her day and routine, it's all changed and, and, and all of that. And so she gets frustrated with these things because she's not able to figure out how to do the email, how to submit things. Uh, she can't figure out how to click the mouse right. And so she gets really, really frustrated and, get, and gives up. Um, but, but me, I, I'm watching her with this. I get impatient with her because I'm thinking, you know, you can't just give up. We, we got to figure this out. And so we get frustrated with each other and, and we start getting angry with each other and irritated with one another. And, and it's just not good. And fi- in fact, Jalen just ends up saying, I hate this. I hate distance learning. And so she wants to give up and I'm like, no, no, you gotta, you gotta keep doing this. And, and while this is going on, I start having this runaway thought where I'm thinking, this is ruining her education. Like she's no longer gonna love school. She's no longer wanna do things. She's no longer wanna do her assignments, which means she's gonna go throughout the rest of school, her rest of her edu- education and not want to learn or do anything. And more than that, uh, her brother, who's four, he's watching all of this play out and he doesn't want to go to school when when he's supposed to go to school next year. So I'm thinking I'm going to have two kids who hate school, who don't want to do anything, don't want to want to pass their classes. They're not going to pass. They're not going to graduate. They're not going to get a good education, which means they're probably not going to get a good job, which means they're probably not going to meet someone, get married, uh, which means at the end of the day, they're going to be stuck at my house and we're all four going to live there. My wife and I, and my two kids, and we're just going to be angry with one another like we already are, you know, and, and that's how my runaway thought, it just began to run away. And, and, and we all do this. We all have runaway thoughts. For, for some of you, your runaway thought may be this. I have a headache. And so that must mean I have a brain tumor. Or um, you, you realize, oh, my boss looked at me grumpy and, and, and he looked kind of angry. I must be getting fired. Or maybe it's, oh, my girlfriend just told me they hired a new guy at work. She's going to dump me in order to date him. And we have these runaway thoughts. But ultimately what these runaway thoughts are is they are based into something that we are worried or afraid of. And what we know about fear is that fear actually multiplies itself. That whenever we see something that, that we're a little bit afraid of and we begin to focus on it, we get more and more afraid of it until ultimately that fear is the only thing uh, that, that we can see. And, and if we're honest, when, when we look at this year 2020 and we look at this whole COVID-19 season, I mean, there is a lot that, that we can be afraid of. In fact, I, I've heard it said like this, that we have been living in the midst of two pandemics, the COVID-19 pandemic and the fear pandemic. I mean, think about all the things that, that we could rightfully be afraid of right now. I mean, we could be afraid of uh, the health of our loved ones and, and could they get sick and, and, and could they die? Or we look at ourselves, we, we wonder, hey, could we get infected and could we get uh, sick? Uh, we might be worried or afraid uh, about our financial situation. You know, what's the future of our job? What's the future of our income stability? Uh, maybe we, we're afraid or worried about our kids' education and what is the long-term effects of distance learning. Or maybe it's about the whole idea of regathering and reintegrating and what is the new normal gonna look like? And we might be worried or afraid of what that looks like. Or, you know, when we look at the news events over the last several weeks and we look at the horrible killing of George Floyd and we just wonder, well, what could or could not come from that? We can get worried and afraid. And, and there's so much that we can be worried and afraid of right now. But, but if we're real honest with ourselves, Before this season, 
there was a lot that we could be worried or afraid of as well. In fact, um, all throughout the Bible, we read about it speaking uh, to the whole idea of worry and fear. Now notice, notice what scripture does not say about worry and fear. I mean, Jesus, he didn't say this. He didn't say, hey, let your hearts be troubled. That's what you ought to do. But instead, Jesus did say this. Hey, do not let your hearts be troubled. When the angels came and announced that, that Jesus was going to be born, uh, they didn't say to the shepherds, hey, glory to God in the highest. Here's what's coming. Stress and anxiety on earth. Instead, here's what they announced. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to all people. And then Paul, a church leader that we've talked about throughout the series. I mean, he wrote a letter to this church living in Philippi. I mean, he didn't say to them, hey, you know what you ought to do? Be anxious about everything. My advice is to panic. He didn't say that. I mean, if he would have said that, I would have had that mastered. But instead, he said something else. And we've actually looked at this at a series earlier this year. And we're going to look at this passage again, uh, but look at it at a different angle today. But instead, here's what he wrote to that church in Philippi. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Now, at first glance, this statement, it might feel a little insensitive at first because we look at all the things going on around us and, and, and we're like, hey, it's concerning. And it should be concerning. But Paul is not being insensitive. In fact, if we were to look back at the situation that he wrote this from, I mean, he was in a very concerning situation as well. Uh, We we know that he was put in a Roman prison unfairly and the conditions were absolutely horrible. We know that his health was not good. And so he would wake up every day and he could wonder, is this going to be my last day? Are they going to kill me or is my health going to give out? And so if anyone was ripe for fear and anxiety and negative thoughts and losing their head games, it would be Paul. But yet it's in this situation, he tells us, hey, you don't have to be anxious about anything. You don't have to lose these head games. Now, Paul isn't saying, hey, don't worry, just be happy now. But actually what Paul is doing is he's going to give us a way that that we can win our head games and literally not be anxious for anything. And, And here's what Paul tells us. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, if you want to win this head game, here's how. You do it through prayer. And he says, always pray. Now, you might be watching and thinking, prayer? I don't know about that. For for you, prayer might be that last resort. It's like that rip cord that, that you just pull when everything else uh, fails. But what Paul is telling us is that prayer should actually be our first line of offense. It should be the first play that we take out of our playbook. And he says, in every situation, I want you to pray. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I should bring this up to God. Like, doesn't God have bigger things to deal with than whatever I'm worried about or anxious about? But I want you to know that God is not like some deadbeat dad who's just lying on the couch watching football, not wanting to be bothered. But God is this great, loving, heavenly father. He's your loving, heavenly father. And and, and just like any great parent, if it matters to you, it matters to him. And so he wants you to talk to him about it. And he wants you to come to him in every situation and pray and just pray about it. In fact, Paul actually gives us some ways of how we can pray 
about the things that we're anxious or, or worried about. And he tells us through petition and, and this idea of petition is this begging and pleading of God. It's this persistent prayer that, that we can bring to God. When I, when I read this word, I think of this pocket of uh, people uh, that they decided together uh, that they're going to get together every day um, at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. on every weekday. And, and they're part of the ridge and they just pray together and they beg and they plead and they just ask God and say, God, would you just end the, this COVID-19 uh, virus? Would you just end this season? Would you allow this season to be a season where more people will follow you? Would you provide and meet the needs of all the people. And every day they just gather together and they just do it over Zoom and they just pray and pray and pray. And they're so persistent about it. And so, so Paul says, I want you to be persistent in your prayers, but I also want you to do it with thanksgiving and have the spirit of gratitude. And remember, this is how God moved in the past. And because this is how God moved in the past, this is how God can move in the future. And then I, I love this other word that he gives us. He says, present your requests to God. And this word for present that he used actually uh, means the word reveal. And back then in the language that they spoke, this word uh, would be used to describe the surprise ending of different mysteries. It would be like our, 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 their version of Dateline back then. Like, oh, wow, I, did, I didn't see that ending coming. And that's the reveal he's talking about. And what Paul is getting at is this, this whole idea. He says, hey, when it comes to prayer, I don't want you just to lob some type of prayer up to God. Say, hey, God, give me a parking spot. God, help me find my keys. You know, God, you know, let them call me back. But he says, no, when it comes to prayer, I want you to slow down and pause and identify what's really going on in your heart. And I want you to reveal that to God. And so your prayers could go like this. Hey, God, I really want them to call me back. I want that next interview because God, honestly, if, I'm afraid if I don't get a job, I'm not going to be able to provide for myself or provide for my family. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of losing this lifestyle. I like this comfortable lifestyle. God, I'm, I'm just afraid of losing it all. Or God, I am afraid of getting sick. And I'm afraid of getting sick because I'm actually, God, if I'm really honest, I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of what's going to happen to, to my family if I die. I'm afraid of what after death is going to be like. God, I'm, I'm just afraid of that. And what Paul tells us is that when we pray like that, when we take the time to pause and reveal to God what's really going on inside of us, this incredible thing happens. He says, and the oh, peace of God. It's what we want, peace. But this peace, this isn't the peace that all of a sudden, you know, everything's going to be okay and, and all of our circumstances change or peace that, you know, our bank account is full this is a different type of peace. This peace is the peace that transcends all understanding. And this peace, it will guard your hearts, meaning it'll guard our emotions inside and it will guard your minds. It'll, it'll guard the logic what's going on. This peace will stand guard and watch over you. Paul says, when we pray like this, we get peace. So in other words, when it comes to our head games and we want to defeat the, the, the negative thoughts, the worried thoughts, the anxious thoughts, the fearful thoughts, we have a way to defeat those thoughts. And what Paul is showing us is that that way comes through prayer. And that prayer is the path towards peace. That prayer is one of the primary ways that we can win our head games. 
And prayer is so powerful. When, when we read through scripture and when we look at what prayer does, we realize that prayer actually moves God and it can move the heart of God, but it doesn't just move God. It also moves us as well. That when we pray for something, our heart begins to move towards that. And throughout the series, uh, we began to challenge ourselves uh, to, to change our lives by changing our minds. And we've said that every time you think a thought, it becomes easier and easier to think that thought again, which is why we want to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus. And we said one way that we do that, uh, last week we talked about this, was we want to meditate and fill our mind on God's truth. But another way that we can change our mind is through prayer. And that prayer, it actually changes us and allows us to win these head games. In fact, uh, um, science has also been showing uh, that, that prayer actually changes our brains. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf, uh, she's been a neuroscientist since the 1980s. She actually wrote this book in uh, 2013 uh, called Switch on Your Brain. And in it, she did a lot of research on what prayer does and how prayer impacts uh, the brain. And I, and I love one of the quotes uh, that, that she put in there that, that, that describes her findings. And, and here's what she said. She said, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can actually change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. That when we give in to those dark, selfish, negative, harmful thoughts, it can actually damage our brain. But the incredible news is this, is that when we actually take time to pray and connect regularly with God through prayer um, every day, over time, our brains will actually be healed. That, that prayer, it changes us. And it's incredible. And we might wonder, well, how does that work? And, and I've seen it described like this. And I thought this was so helpful uh, to describe it like this. But I want us to imagine that we all have our box of worries. And, and, and we all have a box of worries. I mean, and, and your box of worries, it might be filled up uh, with, with a lot of things that you're afraid of or, or nervous about or, or worried about. It might be about your 17-year-old son. It might be about your health or the health of a loved one. It might be about your job or your income. I mean, we, we all have our worries. And what we can tend to do is we carry around our worried thoughts. And we carry it around and we bring it with us wherever we go and we get anxious and it feels heavy and, and it just feels like it's weighing us down. And we try to do different things with it and we're like, I'll do this, I'll do this, but it doesn't work. And so in a moment of desperation, we say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray about this and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go to God. And so we say, God, would you just do something about this? And we wait for two seconds and we say, God, you didn't really do anything about this. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take this back and I'm going to just be weighed down by these thoughts again. And so we carry around this, this box of worries. But what we want to do is we want to look at how we pray. And what that means is that we actually need to get a bigger view of God and a smaller view of our worries. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. For some of you, literally, I want you to get a box. And it doesn't have to be as big of a box as this, but I want you to get a big box and just write God on the side of it. And then you can get a smaller box or you can get some pieces of paper. And I'm, what I want you to do is I want you to write out the things that you're worried about, about your son, about your health, about your loved one's health, about your job, whatever it may be. I want you to write it down. And then I want you to symbolically put that piece of paper or put that box in your God box. 
And then what you do is that you're symbolically put it there. You're, you're saying, God, I'm going to trust you with this. And then when you wake up in the middle of the night and you start worrying about that thing, you have to literally get up and pull that out of your God box and saying, God, you know what? You haven't done anything with this. I'm going to go ahead and take it on my own again. But what has God invited us to do? He's invited us to cast all our cares onto him because he cares for us. He's invited us to follow him, to give him all of ourselves. And all of ourselves are our negative thoughts, our worries, our fears, our toxic thoughts, our selfish thoughts, our impulsive thoughts. We'd say, God, I am giving this over to you. I am trusting this to you. And I am putting my worries and my fears and all of me in you. And I trust you. Now, I know some of us, uh, we have some pushback to this. And some of that pushback is, well, if I do that, that just means I'm being naive and I'm neglecting the things that I'm responsible for. Like, how does that work when a bill shows up? And you just say, okay, I'm going to put the bill on the God box and, you know, I'll let God take care of it. How's that work for you? Well, there's, there's a philosophy that I live by that I want to encourage you uh, to, to, to make your own as well. And the first part of that philosophy is this, is, hey, we want to be responsible and do what I can do. And if there's something you can do about it, you, you do about it. And so when it comes to our health, you know, eat healthy, exercise, go to the doctor if you're feeling sick. If it comes uh, for, for me, if my car breaks down, I'm going to take it to a mechanic because if I do something about it, it it's going to get worse, but I'm going to do what I can do. But once we do what we can do, then we move to the next part of the philosophy. And that is we want to give God what I can't do. And if there is something uh, that, that we are worried about or thinking about that we know is not in our control, we say, okay, God, I can't do anything about this. I am going to give it over to you. Now, for some of us, it doesn't turn out the way that we want it right away. And so that is when we have to move to the next part of this philosophy. And that is, we're going to make a decision to trust God no matter what. Say, okay, even though that this hasn't turned out the way that I thought it would, even though that this hasn't turned out in the timing I thought it would, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. And, and for some of you who are worried or negative all the time, I want you to imagine a heart at peace. That even though the circumstances outside of here, they aren't changing and, and they feel chaotic, but yet you see someone and you see their heart and their mind and you're like, wow, look at how at peace they are. I want you to know that's possible and that can be you. In fact, God doesn't just want that to be some random person. God wants that for you and he invites you to experience that. And so the way that we do that is we make this commitment and the commitment is, hey, we're just going to pray until the peace comes. Where it's not, hey, just a few minutes or, or, or a few hours or a few days or whatever. We're just going to commit to praying. And that is, God, I'm going to take this worry, this fear, this anxiety, this negative thought, and I'm just going to commit to praying until I give it over to you and I experience your peace over my heart and my mind. God, I'm just making that commitment to pray until that peace comes. And for some of you, what that means is you're going to have to get a plan. 
Because this whole idea of prayer, it might be new for you. You aren't sure where to start. You aren't sure how to get started. And I want you to know we, we have some resources to help you get started, to pick a plan, to begin to do this. But the best way to do this is just to try it out and to get started. And so the way to get those resources, you can actually go to our app on, on your Android phone or your iPhone, and you can just download our app and you can enable the push notifications, or you can go back a few weeks and just look at all the different resources we have for head games there that will help you uh, begin to put this into practice and, and do this plan. But, but here's how we want to wrap up the series is we just want to take a moment and we want to together just pray. And we want to pray uh, until the peace comes. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening. I want to encourage you just to get a spot where you're comfortable. And, uh, and we're going to take a, some time and we're going to pray uh, together. And, and if this is new for you, um, or if this is something you're like, hey, I'm not sure, you know, if, if, if I follow Jesus or if I believe in this, I just want to encourage you to give it a try and just see and just see how this uh, can work. And so wherever you're at, I want to encourage you just to go ahead, close your eyes, uh, bow your head. And would you just get comfortable? And I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer where we're going to put together all of the things that we've talked about uh, through this series. And so right now, I want you to think about uh, the strongholds that may be in your life. I want you to think about the lies that you may have believed is true. And, and maybe for you, that lie is you're not good enough, or you're not worthy enough, or you're not loved, or maybe God isn't even trustworthy. And I want you to just say that lie out loud and say, God, this is the lie that I have believed. Would you do that wherever you are? And then after we talked about the lie, we said we, we need to replace that with God's truth. And, and that truth, it might be that, that you are loved by God. He calls you a child of his. Or maybe uh, the truth is that he's given you um, everything that you need to do what he has called you to do. Or the truth is he's invited you to cast his cares, your cares onto him. And so right now, wherever you're at, I just want you to uh, just ask God and say, God, what truth do you want me to hear right now? So would you just ask him that wherever you're at? God, uh, we are so grateful that you have given us this ability to connect with you uh, through prayer. And God, we are thankful that, that you have shown us through Paul that we can literally come to you uh, with anything. And so God, right now we come to you with all of our, our negative thoughts, all of our fears, all of our anxieties. God, we just give them to you. And we cast them onto you because you tell us that you care for us. And so God, uh, we ask that you would give us peace, that you would change the thoughts in our minds, that you would literally just rewire our brains um, to, to your thoughts. And so God, would you just uh, do that right now, regardless of the situations, whatever's going on outside of us right now, God, would you give us your peace? God, would you give us a peace over our minds and over our hearts so that we can continue, God, to have changed minds and ultimately change lives? God, we thank you uh, for what Jesus has done so that we can connect with you through prayer so that you can give us this peace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. 
If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.